You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. Today, we are talking board training for the bench press. Is it good? Is it bad? Should we use it? Should we not? Who's it for? Should you enter the gauntlet? What kind of boards? We got Forge Barbell says, dangerous game to play. We may all be awake for the next three days. He's referring to what we do here on the podcast. Someone posts coffee or says coffee or posts a coffee emoji. We got a sip of coffee for the working man. That means everyone's got a drink. So whatever you got, if it's heavy, that's it. You're awake. But it's the morning still. Kind of. It's 10 a.m. Depends what you, uh, what you classify as the morning. I'd say it's still morning hours. Chinese shop's not open yet, so. Listen, I, I give it to when McDonald's stopped serving breakfast back in the day. Because back in the day, you wanted McDonald's breakfast. You had to wake up early. What was that, 11 a.m. they cut that shit off? Right around 11, some did 1030. You never knew what was going to go down. You know what? I'll tell you, a big thing for me that helped me out a shit ton is that McDonald's big breakfast. And it sounds stupid to say I'm going to get the big breakfast. But, um... I ate that shit quite a bit, and I had that the morning of uh, the training session. I hit some really big benches to get me ready for this meet. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's 1,100 calories right there. That's what I was hoping for. I want a lot of calories. Uh, The big breakfast is a real deal. What are we talking when we get the big breakfast? We got a a nice hash brown. You got a nice hash brown. You got uh, eggs. I like the eggs. I'm a fan of the eggs. I like the powdered eggs more than I do real eggs, to be honest with you. When you go to hotel breakfast... Yeah, I'm I'll gonna, take the powdered eggs. I'm not gonna sit here and agree with you. Well, you don't like the powdered oh, eggs? That's disgusting. <laughs> I like the powdered eggs. I don't know. I guess I like that more. And uh, what else you get with the big breakfast? You get a nice sausage patty. You get hot cakes. You get a biscuit. You know, you're chock loaded for the morning. You're sitting pretty for the morning. Um, it's a lot of food. It's, it's a good amount, and it, it gets you fold up. Um, pour some, uh, put some butter on those buttermilk cakes, and you put uh, some, put some s- syrup. Yep. Yeah, you know, all the sugar hits you. I mean, I still, as long as you keep moving after, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go down. You know, as long as you keep moving, you're doing something. But um, yeah, that was big for me. That, that's a lot of calories probably packed into that sucker. But um, yeah, McDonald's big breakfast, <clears throat> the real deal. Bob Evans Deluxe Farmer's Breakfast, 1,400 calories. Deluxe Farmer's Breakfast. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of anything that says um, Lumberjack Breakfast. Uh, so, what's a good example? I think IHOP might have something like that. I don't know if IHOP has something like that. Um, Denny's. I'm thinking of Denny's. I am a Denny's guy. I cannot through stand through. Denny's. I'll take Denny's over IHOP any day. I'm a Denny's guy. Back home, and that was the only 24-hour place we had in Massachusetts. Back in the day, we had two pancake challenges because Denny said all-you-can-eat, IHOP with all-you-can-eat. I won the IHOP one, and I foregoed the Denny's one because Denny's in my town was disgusting. Well, see, that's that's a personal Denny's problem. Listen. I like Denny's. Listen. <laughs> after the IHOP challenge, I felt great. After the Denny's challenge, everyone that participated threw up. All right, well, I, there's I, I something got... wrong with that Denny's. Yeah, I get a manager down there. Oh, God, that Denny's is disgusting. <laughs> well, they give you um, a free Grand Slam on your birthday. So that's pretty cool. And I think they were doing something for, like, vets, like, on uh, uh, Veterans Day. They had uh, something going on there, too. I remember I was working on Barnes & Noble, and this guy 
He would he just come in at night. He would talk to him all the time. We, we were buddies. He just likes to sit around and talk with his friends there. Um, and uh, on Veterans Day, it was a big day for him. That was like the day because everyone's giving out food on Veterans Day. So he'd tell me all his rounds he made. He like he'd hit this place for breakfast, go over to this place, on to the next one for lunch. Uh, he always stopped by Denny's as well. Um, that was like the before they got to the store, they went to Denny's. So. Uh, Denny's is a good place. See, good back place. in high school, I used to do that. I used to make for, your rounds. Make your rounds on Breakfast, your birthday. Birthday rounds. Yep, that was huge. Had a you know a Dunkin', a Starbucks, a Moe's. Got some Cold Stone at the end. Made for a couple good days. That's a nice. That's a nice roundabout there. And I, I ate a lot of Denny's back in the day from Waltz Lift Throws. <laughs> Sounds like UK to me. Walsh Lift Throws. Sounds like you're from the UK, my friend. I feel like this is a guy from Ireland. I don't think so. We gotta find out. Post down below. <laughs> All right, on to the podcast today. Um, we're talking board training in the bench. Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, if you have an opinion on it, Ohio. Uh, we're close <laughs> enough. All right, uh, good or bad? So post below if you do any board training. Anyone listening in right now? Um, how you do it, you know, what you use, bench blocks, stuff like that, um, regular boards. So I'm going to kind of just first um, touch on um, what forms of boards there are out there that you can use and some interesting stuff I saw. All right, forms of the boards out there, bench blocks, obviously I think most people know about bench blocks. It's, um, you know, like one of those yoga blocks have cutouts for the barbell, so you can adjust it off one block. Um, I know now they make it, uh, it's a half board and a one board, and then a two through a five board, which is pretty cool. Um, and bench blocks, Steve at bench blocks, he's nice enough to hook us up with a discount code. So... Uh, we've had this for a while, so if you don't know, Big Bench is 10. If you go to the Bench Blocks website, you can use the code Big Bench is 10 to save 10% off. Um, I believe pretty much everything out there on uh, on the store, but definitely the Bench Blocks. Um, so that's Big Bench is 10. You want to put that down below in the, in the thing? It's capital Big Benches, all capital, and then 10. You save 10% off Bench Blocks. Um, and then, of course, there's shoulder saver pads. All right, you can get those from Elite FTS. Those are round. What I like about those, you know, the downside is bench blocks is so adjustable, anywhere from a half board to a five board. That's a lot of adjustment points. Um, but the shoulder saver pads are round. So you don't get that trouble of um, the, the block moving on you, and then you're coming down with the edge of the block. Because um, that can get a little bit annoying because then the, the edge of the block is kind of hitting you and flattening it out on your chest and whatnot. Um, but shoulder saver, it's it's round. It's a half round thing. So, you know, can't really miss the ball on that one. Um, so I love the shoulder saver pads too. I got both in the HQ. You know, I got our a series of bench blocks and I got um, the red shoulder saver pad, which is actually one and a half board. So on Elite FTS, the red shoulder saver pad is a one and a half board and then the black one is a two board just so everyone's aware but those are great training tools obviously you have boards themselves and I believe if I've, I've measured it before uh, 
I just go off Elite FTS. I'm pretty standardizes it, and um, I think it's about an inch and a half per board. So if you wanted to make your own, um, you could figure that out. But uh, it's not hard to make, you know, your own boards. And I get pretty creative with it. I actually made my own half board, put together. I don't even remember what I used. It might have been a freaking pallet. My bench came on or something. But uh, I made my own half board, spiffed it up a little bit, uh, painted it blue and stuff. So it looks pretty nice. And I got the grip tape. I forgot what the hell the grip tape is. We were making those torque bars, and um, it's pretty good stuff. They put on hockey sticks and whatnot. But it's a camo grip tape. Makes it look badass. So I love my half board there. Um, Talking about just uh, athletic tape? No, it's... Uh, it's like this, I don't even know. It's like this grip tape. I forget what it's called. It's like polar grip or something. It's pretty popular. You can get all kinds of different colors, but uh, those are pretty cool. I might get some more just to put on uh, my other boards, too. It's cool to have the extra grip and make it look good. But uh, anyways, you got your regular wood boards. You got your bench blocks, your shoulder saver pads. Some interesting stuff I've seen out there. Um, we have a newer member of our team. His name is Mike. And just the other day, I was looking over some of his bench stuff. And uh, we had board presses in there on one of his days, and uh, he made this this board setup. It looked pretty cool. It had I don't even know what he called it. It's almost like it looked like a twisty tie thing. Came around the bar, and then he had three boards stacked each other. And I think it were just, they were permanently there. But I'm thinking to myself, someone wants to take the idea and run with it. All right, you get twistable boards, and I know there's some shit out there pretty much like that. And I've had some people reach out about different foldable boards and stuff. But if you had something that links over the bar, right? I'm thinking some kind of Velcro strap on one board, right? And then all these other boards, you just twist them in. How cool would that be? You just twist the boards under each other, and it's just this little stack, not too, not too long, just this little stack of boards, uh, wood boards, and you just screw them right in there. That would be pretty cool. You could adjust that shit up to however you want. But you would need um, the ends would have to screw into each board. You know what I mean? You'd have to get the screw to go through. So, uh, Walsh Live Throws. Cut up an old 2x4's roughly 10-inch blocks. Use duct tape to make a 2 and a 3 board. There you go. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's pretty much how I did uh, the half board. But you could get creative with it. It's really easy to make your own board. I mean, at the end of the day, all you're doing is you're benching off something. So the boards, um, it's not the same, and some people have asked, so if I have two board in there for training, and it's used for overload purposes, and someone has asked before multiple times, uh, can I just stop the barbell there and press up? And it's not the same, uh, because, yeah, you're doing partial range, but having the boards lets you deload some of the weight. So you're going to find it's actually much harder to overload by taking the weight down partially and coming up in my opinion it's not going to be the same as if you had something to kind of touch to uh, because there is a little bit of a deload process when you're touching and i have a good video on youtube called touch pressure for the bench press so if you're ever confused on how much you should let the bar sink into your chest when you go for a big press um, that's a good video to check out because there should be a slight deload, but not one that is is a cause of heaving, and not one where you're spoto pressing the weight. It shouldn't be a t-shirt press when you're going for max effort. It should be a soft deload into the chest, just enough 
Um, you're not losing tightness by doing it, but it is taking some of that weight away um, from you having to stabilize and whatnot. So there is a fine line there, and you want that touch pressure when you're coming to the board. Uh, if you don't have that, it's not the same. So I wouldn't try to substitute overload board training with a spoto press or parcel range press. Um, I just not something I would do. I would change it if you were doing tricep work with the board. Say you're doing tricep work to a two board. Yeah, you could get similar effect if you just spoto press for mid range. So that's not a big deal. But not if you're going for a big overload single or anything like that. That I wouldn't do. But um, you can think of any more forms of boards. I don't think there's many more out there. I've seen some interesting shit, but I don't. I've, that's about it for me. I think it's pretty much the same concept either way. So sip of coffee for the working man. So, uh, and there's also foam, foam pressing, and I haven't done any foam pressing, but that's just same concept. It's just allowing you to play around with more deload as you get down. So, I guess you can relate it a little bit to um, being like reverse band work because it's gonna the foam is gonna absorb so much of the weight too coming down. Um, so it's like a cross between having that partial range. And then having the huge deload of the foam, you may have seen like Westside Barbell using this a lot, bench it to foam. Um, but that's pretty much what that does. And I guess depending on what foam you're using, there's a lot of foams out there. And until I got into trying to make my own like bench pad thing, you don't realize how much different foams are out there. We aren't, we got sat down and through all these series of foams. But I guess depending on what foam you got, some will expand quickly back to their normal state. And I imagine that would give you a bigger boost than any. Um, but if you just got a soft foam, it's just going to be like a little bit of a deload with the weight. But that's interesting to do. We should do some more foam benching. I feel inspired. I feel inspired to get a little more foam benching in the training so I can uh, really comment on what, what I felt with that. But... Um, I'll see. I guess I'll just need a board and I'll put the foam on there. I know Elite FTS sells one. It's like a pad with the with the with the board there too. So I'm gonna make my own version where I get this big block of foam and I attach it to a to a board, and we'll see what happens. So I'll experiment with that. All right. So I'm gonna go into the good and the bad and the ugly of the board training. Actually, I don't have an ugly session, but you know, if you say good and bad, you want to add ugly. Um, so the good of the board training here, we'll start with that because I'm in a positive mood. I'm a positive person. Let's start with the good side of the board training. But before we get into it, sip of coffee for the working man. Everyone's got a drink. Oh, what do you got today, Elvis? Iced coffee <clears throat> from Dunks? Got some iced coffee from Dunks. There you go. Pretty standard, but yep. it's good. It's timeless. It's all you need. All right, so getting into the good side of board work here. And if anyone's listening in Instagram live, uh, you can post below if you've done any board training, how you've utilized it in your training. The good stuff. First, overload. This is how we probably use it majority of the time, uh, coaching my athletes, side programming in for overload work. Um, and usually we won't get to the boards until about the, the last two months before the meet. And especially the month before the meet because it's a big uh, session for my raw lifters where I'll have them overload to a one or a two board depending on their range of motion um, and what I think is going to be more relative to them, a one or a two board. But that's how we'll utilize it in our training is in the peak of the meet. 
Um, but that's about it. Not really going to overload it to any any other time. Definitely not going to do any high board stuff. It gets a little ridiculous when you're trying to overload to a three and a four board, and it's the smallest range of motion. You know, there's not really a point in that. Heavy holds will serve that well, but um, that's that's the biggest way, and that's where I think they offer the biggest advantage to anyone. Uh, we got Akashul. I probably said that wrong. Hello from India. Hello, my friend. Thanks for joining in. You're listening to the Benchcast. Sip of coffee for India. Oh, yeah. From Walsh Lift Throws. I try to alternate it in periodically as a max effort variation and then also rep method for some volume. Yeah, I mean, you're going to find that's pretty much how we'll throw that in as well. Um and uh, we'll see more for the triceps. So if I do it for volume, it's usually going to be in a close grip variation. Uh, but I do use it in a certain way, too, for shirted lifting, which I'll get into as well. But, uh, yeah, overload, I think, is uh, the biggest. Obviously, I think that's why boards were really created in the first place and why people started benching to them in the first place is for that overload factor. And, you know, back in the day, it was mostly equipped lifting. So... Um, you know that that's a huge element of why they started coming up in the first place. We got a question. Hit me. All the way from India. Do you think push press helps increasing bench press, or do you suggest some other accessories? Uh, I think the overhead press is one of the best things you could do for your bench press. Uh, but push pressing is not something that I put into programming for our athletes. Um, you know, very rarely, unless it's just to help get a little overload after main strict pressing. But it's always in a strict fashion. It's never in a really trying to heave the weight up type of fashion. Um, there's just more to be rewarded when you're talking about a training effect. Um, you know, when it really comes down to, I think something important to get out is you see a lot of things going on in training to help a lifter lift more weight in a moment, but. It's not about the training. Training is always just to get the best result at the meet when it counts. So always make training harder than it has to be. That's why we never, ever do a touch-and-go benches. We always pause our benches. We usually do long pause benches. Um, We always find ways to make the training harder. When I'm pausing the bench too, I'm never trying to sink the weight into my chest. I'm always trying to hold it to the top. Overhead pressing is always strict. Um as strict as can be so i was trying to make training hard uh because it's going to make the result at the meet a lot easier on you okay um so training is just a way to uh, build up again when it counts it's not a way to try to take advantage of everything we can do to lift the most weight in the moment so that's just an important thing i want to throw out there all right so moving on some more good uh, portions of the board training here for bench press is partial range work okay and what that allows you to do is hit sticking points okay so uh you, you have a true sticking point like mid-range or you do have an issue with locking out or stabilizing weight at the top um you know you are going to find boards to be a valuable tool for you Um, Because it's going to allow you to just spend more time in wherever your sticking point is. Okay. So uh, that's that's like the biggest thing with sticking points. I say if you're you're encountering a plateau or sticking point at any point in the range of motion for whatever reason, 
just spend more time there. Usually that's going to be off the chest for most people. And what I'll tell you to do is just spend more time down there. You know, do long pauses, do dead presses, do all that stuff. Um, you know, anything to just spend more time in the area. Isometrics is another great underutilized training tool. You know, just pressing into a pin at your sticking point. That works phenomenal as well. All right. Uh, another good aspect of board training is the bench shirt break-in. Now, this is uh, another big reason we use the boards if you're breaking in a bench shirt. And I'm, I'd say um, try not to rely on the board so much with your shirt training. Um, I just wrote an article and hopefully it gets published by Elite FTS sooner than later because it is um, a very comprehensive article on shirted training, bent shirt training. Uh, so I'm hoping they get that out sooner than later. Sometimes it takes a little while because they go through the editing process of it and everything, uh, adding in the links and whatnot. But I uh, just submitted that in and we talk on this. Uh, greatly in the training section of shirted benching uh, don't over rely on training boards all the time in the shirt majority of your training should be without boards or you know doing some reps or trying to go full range with a looser shirt but uh, the, sh the boards come in handy when you're talking breaking in a shirt and you'll see even in that article I, I talk about a break-in process where you're trying to move down in boards but that's essentially it it allows you to uh, work through whatever range you can until that shirt gives enough so that you can get it down closer to chest level uh, that's the important thing with, with the boards when we're talking shirted training and uh, we got another benefit coming in from Jay's ego before Sip of coffee for the working man. Everyone's got a drink. He had a rugby shoulder injury. The last two inches of bench was agony. Started board pressing pain-free until it healed. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's another one. I wasn't even going to touch on it, but yeah, it keeps you partial range until you're able to go full range. And sometimes that's an injury-related thing as well. So, very good point by Jay's Dottigo. Uh, at Jay's Dottigo Instagram, he had a great point there with the injuries. Um, that is true. That's a great way to approach it as well. So, uh, moving on to the last thing I have down here. Better option over the slingshot. Okay. Now, <clears throat> this is for raw benchers. Okay. If you're an equipped bencher, totally changes the game. But for raw benching, I would prefer someone overload with the board rather than using a slingshot. And I'll tell you why. This is because the slingshot time and time again typically will put people out of position. If you want to be successful with the slingshot, you have to change the groove somewhat. Not a ton, but somewhat. And it's enough to, um, you know, with a board, right, you're able to keep your normal bar path, do everything you normally do, and you touch the board when you touch it. You're not changing anything. <clears throat> everything remains the same. Yeah, it's a partial range versus a more full range with the slingshot, but it's still giving you the boost off the chest and whatnot. But it's changing the groove at the bottom. Um, you have to touch lower, and if you don't touch lower, it throws you back a little bit sooner. Um, so it really depends. I do have slingshot overload in for some of my athletes, but that's if I think they can handle it. And I don't see a giant change in, in what they're doing. But in general... I like the boards more for the overload work than the slingshot. And it doesn't have to be much, maybe just a one board, but I do like it more uh, for raw benching. If you're a sure to bencher, 
that's out the window. I prefer we use all kinds of different devices, you know. So that, that's very different. But uh, I wanted to put that one in there too. And I wanted to mention that. I think it changes the groove a little bit too much, the slingshot. So boards are a nice option there. All right, that's the good, guys. Ready to hear the bad? Another sip of coffee for the working man. I know we're drinking a lot of coffee this morning, but, you know, it's, it's still got to hit me here. We got to film after this. I got to be amped up. I rely on half espresso, half Keurig. We got all the fall flavors out. It's fall now, so I got smalls or s'mores Keurig coffee now. Um, we use this with Victor Allen. Did you ever hear of Victor Allen? I'm completely unaware. I don't know, they're big, they're in all the stores. So I got all this Victor Allen's s'mores coffee. Good stuff, guys, good stuff. You know, I just came off of a, a weak caffeine-free again, so I'm ready to go. See, that's, I don't know. Comment below if you do the whole week off thing from the caffeine. I say, I'm already broken. I'm not going to try to go without it because I'm broken already. Well, so, Elvis is trying to maintain his youth here and not so, ruin his adrenals. Listen, I'm just saying that the time you spend taking in caffeine is going to like directly correlate to how much time you to spend off of it. Oh, that's a good strategy. So it's like every few months I take a week off, and then I'm like, I'm fresh, I'm ready to go. It I, hits you harder without having to have as much. You don't have to consume as much. Exactly. Listen, when, when I first moved schools, I was a very heavy caffeine drinker. I took three months off, just completely mm-hmm. three months that's off. That's a long time. Did it help? It helped tremendously. I was, But like I had coffee nonstop every day for like four years. Well, that school does so. that for you. But, um, yeah, you want to improve your sensitivity to it. I totally get that. Maybe one to two days wean off and then back at it from yeah, Walsh lift throws. Walsh lift throws. He, he takes one to two days off and then back at it. That's interesting because now he's microcycling. <laughs> what do you think of that, the microcycle? Well, That's too much to manage on my part. I can't keep up with that shit. Depends on how often you do it. And then what if it's a big day where you know you need to be alert? Oh, then you just have the caffeine. I guess it's simple as that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I make it simple, guys. I just pound it every day. So Listen, uh, <laughs> uh, apparently this is according to, like, Martin Burkham. Um, even if you're caffeine tolerant, you still get the training benefits of caffeine. Yeah. So no matter, like, what your tolerance is, it still benefits you in some way. I just think that I need to take off a little bit. Because I'll turn into, like, a 10-cup-of-coffee-a-day drinker. Yeah, that's extreme. Uh, training tip for you guys. Um, 1-3. 1-3 dimethylamylene, however you say it. That's what you need. Alright, that shit will light you up. Alright, that's some heavy shit. They don't sell that in GNC or nothing anymore. You gotta get it in certain locations. But, um, I think there's websites that I don't even think they sell much much of that anymore. But, if you could get 1-3, that shit's potent. Um, so that's what I'll do. So my coffee is just what keeps me running through the day. And then my 1-3 is only for training and only for serious sessions. Listen, you'll, you'll find, like, the old school guys who still talk about the original formula. It's Jack 3D. Yeah, that's what it is. That that was the 1-3 in there. Yeah, 1-3 in there. Um, yeah, that should have light you up. Don't have in the afternoon, though. You're not going to sleep. But that I, that I try to... Um, monitor so this is like my baseline coffee and then the one three that'll be my training effect um so that's how i manage that but it's only four times a week so i'm figuring you know those three days off give me enough pep so that's my strategy because i'm ruined (laughs) all right so the bad with board training so we're talking board training for the bench press um you know is it gonna help you should you use it should you not 
part of the bad things with board training is that it is partial range. So it's not a full range of motion. And anytime you talk about getting stronger, you want to get stronger in specifically what it is. And, you know, if you're asked to do a bench press at a meet, of course, it's full range. You don't have the ability to say, hey, I need to bring my two board up here so I can bench press at this meet. Um, you know, it's a full range bench press. If it's shirted, if it's raw, it's the same shit. So um, it's kind of a disadvantage, too, if you're always using it, if you over-rely on it, because it is a partial range of motion, so you're not getting full range. So that's the downside of the boards, obviously, um, for both shirted and raw benchers. You know, it's not a, that's not an advantage by any means. You can turn it into advantage with some of the good stuff we've talked about, like overloads and whatnot, but for the majority of training, it's not going to fly. Unless you're injured and you're working down, just like Jay Zego pointed out there. Um, bad thing that is over relied on in shirted training. And, uh, you know, if you see most people training in a shirt, I think the bulk of it, you would see people uh, doing all kinds of board pressing. You'll never see a shirted session without a board nearby. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a disadvantage there for sure. And I think something that's really helped me tremendously is, is ditching some of the board stuff, uh, making sure you have a looser shirt so you're not in a constant state of trying to break in the shirt down in boards. Uh, have a looser shirt or have something like the Bench Freak Band, Rich Putnam's Bench Freak Band from BenchFreak.com. Have something like that tool that allows you to train with the same weight you train in a shirt but go full range. I think that's really important for a shirt to lift that you don't get stuck always training to boards, that there's some type of full range lifting there. Uh, I just had a great session with one of our athletes the other day, Pete, and we were both doing full range benching. Now, he had a shirt on that he couldn't quite touch with, with the, with the uh, volume of the weight that we're trying to do with the intensity. We're in a 70 to 80% zone of our equip max. Uh, I was doing raw stuff. He was doing the shirt stuff. But um, for him, still getting as close to the chest as possible, I'd rather see him do that than the board. And he was hitting great triples. We're getting good range out of it. That's going to benefit him more than just doing some benching to a two board and never really working down and getting that range. Uh, from a technical perspective as well, because if you do most of your training to a two board, you never really get below that. Now, that two board range, that feels like a shit ton of bricks, and you've never really put yourself in that position enough times to really feel where you need to be in that bottom position. So I do think it's a great disadvantage if you're a shirted lifter to always be, be training to the boards. And have something, like I said, because if you have a tight shirt you can't touch in, it's going to set you up for a, for a bad training cycle because you're always trying to break down that, that uh, shirt. So if I'm breaking down a shirt, obviously what I'm going to use in a meet, I want it to be tight. right? So I am going to break that in to where I need it, however many sessions I'm going to need to do that for. But I have another shirt, a looser shirt or a device I can use to get my full range training in. So it's important to have those two things. Um, the blocks, so something I don't really like about the blocks versus the boards. That's including the bench blocks, that's including the shoulder saver pads. Um, something I don't like about that is the, the spatial awareness that comes with it. Because if you're a bar watcher like myself, right, so with your eyes you can either watch the ceiling, zone in on a certain spot, or watch the bar with your eyes. Don't lift your head, but watch the bar. Uh, I typically decide to watch the bar. Okay, if you're seeing this giant ass block coming down towards your chest, you have no idea where the hell the bar is. You're just kind of going off feel. Um, 
but you really don't have a good sense of like where the bar is positioned in time because all you see is this giant block coming down towards your chest. And I know that throws off quite a few people. So that's just one of the gripes I have with, with the attachments to the bar is now that you're traveling down with this giant ass attachment that could be moving around on you. It's hard to be pinpoint. You know, if you're coming down with the bar to something, now you can be more exact. Um, but that is obviously a big issue there. Too high of a board. And I'm majority of the time, people are using too high of a board. All right. Um, it's similar to being using too much of a reverse band there. So if you are using a big average band for a reverse band, it gets to the point where it's taking so much weight off the bar that um, it's not going to be applicable to your training anymore uh, because it's just taking so much weight away. Right? It's better if you use something that's just taking enough because it's going to transfer better. Uh, you know, you're closer to the straight weight itself. If you use too high of a board, you're going to be able to press a lot. You know, I'm sure if I used a three board, all I had to do is pretty much take the damn bar out and I touched the thing. I couldn't handle as much weight as I would I can hold, you know. But uh, what's that actually going to do for my training? So oftentimes I see people get wrapped up in that again. That's why I talked on it earlier, uh, making training harder. Um, you know, don't don't use a higher board just because it allows you to train with more weight. Yeah, I see people benching raw off like a four board. I have no business doing that, and it's not really going to transfer well. And yeah, you can use some incredible weight, but it's not helping you out getting stronger and, and performing in a meet. It's just that session's kind of a waste. It's not going to transfer. The only thing you're getting out there is being able to stabilize the heavier weight. But you can do that with a bench hold and actually do something that's going to help you for the day. Especially if you do one session a week, you can't mess that up. Benching, you really should be hitting that twice a week for most people. If you're only benching once a week, you cannot have a wasted session. You can't have a session that's not going to give you enough stimulus. You can't have a session that you're, you're doing something funky like that that's not going to give you a good training effect. you got to be pinpoint. If you're only going to train bench once a week, you got to smash it. All right, you have to make sure that you get enough volume in that you actually get something out of it. All right, so last thing I wanted to uh, touch on is uh, the touch pressure awareness, which I spoke on a little bit earlier. Um, and what happens with the boards is you, you can't really feel, like if it was your chest, you have that, that uh, feedback. All right, I know where, how much I'm sinking into my chest. I can feel that weight. Um, with a board, you can't really get that, especially if, if a lifter positions the board up too much on an angle. Uh, that's a big thing I see wrong with the boards all the time is that the person who's holding the board doesn't really know how to position a board. All and right. so that two board turns into a three board. Very quickly, yeah. Now your board height's higher. You're not feeling where you're touching, um, especially if that board, you have to have first. If you're a board holder, you got to have that board flush to the person. If they're arched, it's going to be on a little bit of an angle, but it's going to be on the incline of that chest there. All right, but it has to be flush to the body. Okay, if it's a flat bencher, just got to be flush to the chest. All right, but you have to let the person uh, feel it, you know, because if that board is hovering, they can't feel it on them. And you're not doing them a disservice by really putting the board on them, you know, pressing into it. They can handle it. You know, they, they should be able to handle that fine. 
You know, you put a little pressure of that board on their chest, and then what happens in turn is now when you get that bar down, they can feel it more because they can feel that transfer of weight from the bar through the board into the chest a little bit more. So now you have a, a feel of where the hell you are in terms of touch pressure. If you don't hold the board right or, um, you know, you're coming down and it's not flush to their chest or whatever, now you, you hit the board, but sometimes you don't even know you hit the board. You know, it's kind of like squatting in a, in a quip suit, you know. You don't really know when you hit depth um, or hit the box, rather. So you, you don't really have uh, sensitivity of these things. So someone would have to call you out, three, two, one, and then the board touches up, you know, and, and sometimes you don't even know you actually hit the board. You have to ask after, hey, did I touch that? And you're like, yeah, you touched that. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Sip a coffee for the working man. Everyone's got a drink. But that's one of the problems with using the boards, obviously. All right, so we're going to jump into some exercises that I use um, with our athletes for board work, or instances we use the board in our training. Forge barbell, hit us with a coffee emoji. Sip a coffee for the working man. I'm going to be out by the time we start filming. This is good. All right, exercises we use. One to two board max testing. So pretty much already touched on that a little bit. Right. That's when um, we're in the last two months. So what will happen, usually that fourth week of the programming is a heavy week. Um, Going to be a little bit sooner on that last month before the meet. But usually I'd say that fourth week, um, I'll try to piece it together in my head. Probably a little earlier than that. So we're looking at about six weeks out or so. I'll probably have an athlete overload sometimes to a higher board, okay? It's going to be accompanied with full range training. You know, if they do that, max out to the higher board, there is going to be some full range training in there, of course. Um, but say it's a two board, okay? Um, they're going to max out a one rep max to a two board, okay? Then when we get into the meat peak, the last four weeks, there's a session in there. That's our heavy session. Usually about... it's three to two weeks out depending on the person uh, where we're going to max out to the one board and that's really going to be a determinant what we're going to look around for third attempt in the meet okay so we're going to max out to the one board and um, we are going to do that about three weeks out I'd say all right so that's how we'll use it and if it's a long armed bencher right yeah we're talking raw benching here now um I'll go to, uh, they'll probably max out first to the three board, and then we'll do max out to the two board and use that as reference. Because in proportion to the range of motion they're using, um, we're going to use a little bit of a higher board. All right. Um, if you're a sure to bencher, I'll get into that a little bit, but uh, you'll be doing uh, about three weeks out four weeks out and this is all in that article that i just submitted too so hopefully that gets up sooner or later i'm so pumped about that article guys i really put everything there is in the shirted training into that thing and i know there's not that great of stuff out there on shirted benching um, we need more videos we need more articles we can always use more of that stuff and this article is all is everything in there all right everything in there and um i'm super excited to get that out to you. It includes a shirt peak. So the last four weeks before a meet, it includes 
uh, everything I would do to pick a assured adventure for a meet. All right. So that about three weeks out there too, um, we're gonna do meet attempts with boards. So it'll be a half board. You're gonna do a double to a half board to determine an opener. You're gonna do a second attempt to a one board, and then you're gonna do a third attempt to a two board. All right, or a one and a half to two board. All right, depends on the person's range of motion. We can adjust from there. All right, so those are some of the the peaking ways we use boards. NYZ has joined the bench gas. He's fat and he's 34. <laughs> it's birthday today. Shout out to NYZ on the bench cast. Sip a coffee to the NYZ. Alrighty. Two to three board. Partial range with bands. Another way I love to use boards. Alright. This is great tricep work, guys. Um, and talking about if, if mid-range is your weak point and you slap a two board in there and you slap bands on that baby there that sucker is going to be hard to accelerate because you're already weak in that range and the bands are not going to help your case in terms of acceleration you're going to have to learn to get fast and strong off that point all right and i say two to three board because again it changes on the person's range of motion okay um adding bands is always a unique way to, to spice up an exercise a little bit but that's another way I love to use the boards, how I program it in for our athletes. Tricep work. So sometimes on occasion if I feel like they could use uh, a little bit more work developing their tricep strength, I'll put it in as um, you know some stuff we'll do after main work where we're just maybe AMRAPing to a, um, a mid-range board uh, or we're, we're doing something like that. We're doing close grip bench into a mid-range board, something like that. All right, and then of course... Last way we use it in our programming is for shirt break-in. So if you have a bench shirt, you need to you need to slowly work that down in boards, uh, depending how tight it is. But like I said, it would be a good strategy to either have a device to train full range in and handle the weight you would use in a shirt, or just have a looser shirt. So majority of my training going forward um, will be using like a bench freak band or. Uh, using my loose shirt, my loose SDP, which is like a size 57, 58. That's a really older model. Very stretchy. Has pop for like one bench. That's about it. Um, but I'll use that. I can I can probably touch like three something in it. You know, it's very uh, um, stretched out for me and whatnot. So the heavier training I'll do in my competition shirt, but I won't touch in that thing until the meet. So. Uh, all my heavy overload tech training, the stuff I want to use heavy weight, I'll use that shirt. But I'll never touch with it. So it'll be the hider boards for the overload. The rest of the time, I'm doing full range with a looser shirt or my device, my bench freak band. Alrighty. So, guys, that's about it on board training. Before you end off here, you can't just skip over the board gauntlet. Oh, board gauntlet. Yeah, so that's just a, a, a unique way to uh, get some tricep volume in there um at the end something i do for fun with some of our athletes just to spice things up a little bit that's kind of just to eliminate some uh some boredom and some redundancy in the training uh a board gauntlet would be like if um so you start you pick like a amount of reps you're gonna do say it's five or six reps the weight has to stay really light trust me 
got to stay light with the weight. All right, we're talking 30% your max or something. Just something ridiculous because um, you're going to do a lot of reps. So it depends how you want to set it up. You could start from high board work down to chest, or you could start from chest work up and boards. And that's usually how I like to do it. As it's getting harder, the range is decreasing. Um, or you can do a really nasty board gauntlet where you're working up and boards, and now you're working back down. So you're pyramiding your, your board gauntlet. But um, say we'll do six reps. So Elvis here, do six reps. He does maybe 10, 10, quarter on the bar. It's not going to have to be much. This is after main work. He'll probably go close grip with it. All right. Bang, bang, six reps to the chest, close grip. Bang, bang, six reps to the one board. Bang, bang, two board. Bang, bang, three board. Might skip the four board. Depends how weird it's getting. Then bang, bang, another uh, to the two board, one board, chest. That would be a pyramid board gauntlet. Just so you uh, are aware of uh, how that's laid out. Have you ever done like 21s or crazy 8s, something like that for biceps? This is just the tricep equivalent. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's just, you know, like one of those, like you said, um, crazy 8s or whatever, the 21s. It's just another way to spice up the training a little bit. Um, so I like using those, and you can get freaky with what you do. So, uh, it's just about making training fun, um, and as long as you're bringing uh, intensity to it and there's a purpose behind it, you know, uh, you can you can get creative with training. There's no dumb ways to train necessarily, there's just, there's just dumb timing. Getting a freaking freaking call from one of these telemarketer spam things. Speaking of dumb timing. Well, the, the call? Oh, yeah. Um, we, we got... Um, Freaking going on a lot now, these spam calls just piling up. But nice AT&T tells me spammers. I don't answer my phone to begin with, so if you were to call me, I, I never answer my phone, period. Not even for family, which is probably not good, but I, I just don't answer my phone. So I don't get hooked on those spam calls, but I guess a lot of them are going around right now. So... All right, guys, unless we got a buzzer beater question coming in, uh, that's about all I got today. It's all about it's all about what I got now. That's all I got to say about that. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. I think that's it for today. All right, that's it on that board train. That's all I got that about that. Got a sip of coffee for the working man before we go. I'm almost done with this big, what is this, 32 ounce or something? 30 ouncer. I'm almost done with this big 30 ouncer here. Good job, everyone. Which was really only for barbell <laughs> posting your coffee emojis. But I put a lot of good sips of coffee for the working man in there. So hit you with one last one. Oh, yeah. And that's it. That's a podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. Hope it helps you out in your training. Now you know the good and bads behind board training. And you have been listening to <sighs> the bitch cat.